Yes, amen. We cry holy, holy, holy. Thank you, team. This morning. Good morning. This morning I sent a uh, text message to my wife. She sent me one and said she was praying for the service and praying that all would go well. And uh, I told her when I texted her back that I'm really kind of sad that this is the end of the Ten Commandments. We've been at this for 10 weeks, and, and like I've said to you before, this has been some of the toughest preaching that I have had to do, both with research and the message, and it has been so good for me. Now, I hope it's, I, my, I just hope and pray it's been as good for you. Yes. Uh, I feel that my relationship is stronger with my God by just looking at the principles and, and understanding just a quick go through what, what we've looked at. Week one, you shall have no other gods before me. We entitled that the principle of priority. And we looked at all the things that in our lives of what takes priority and what doesn't. And week two, you shall make no idols. Entitled that the principle of purity. Do we have idols in our lives? Do we have things that potentially could be idols? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Week three. You shall not take the Lord's name, God, your God, in vain. That one was a tough one on me. It's not like I run around using the Lord's name in vain, but how many of the ways we use God's name inappropriately? It was profound when we really started looking at just our daily vocabularies and how we speak. Week four, keep the Sabbath holy. I entitled that the principle of rest, and boy, did that one ever speak to me. Because oftentimes I'm guilty. I don't. God gave us these things not so that we could please Him. It wasn't about us pleasing Him, it was all about Him showing us how that we can live happy, fulfilled lives by giving us a system of rules that we could literally form a government after. And our government has. All based on the Ten Commandments. Week five, honor your father and mother. You notice, this is kind of interesting, he didn't put in here, honor your parents. Because not all parents are good ones. We talked about that in depth. A parent is a job title. Being a parent is something that you do. But he said, honor your father and mother. Honor those who gave life to you. That God, through those parents, brought you into this world. Week six, you shall not murder. I entitled that the principle of love. Because God... Uh, you know, I realize that there isn't anybody here in the room that I'm worried about committing murder. But Jesus so upped the ante on that. He said, even if we hate somebody, it would be the same as murder. We will not enter the kingdom of God because we have hatred for someone. So I showed the path in which 
we go. Unfulfilled expectations uh, become into arguments and then become to anger, and anger can turn into hatred. Then week seven, you shall not commit adultery. I entitled that one the principle of intimacy. If there's anyone that I feel like is, is worthy of going back and listening to, is the principle of intimacy. Week eight, you shall not steal. Principle of trust. Again, it's not, I'm not worried about you guys running around stealing from anybody, but there's principles behind the commandment that we had to look at to realize. You know what I've realized? There isn't a single one that I'm not guilty of breaking. Not a single one. You know, the Bible tells you, you break one, you break them all. I get that more today than I've ever got before. Because when you stop to look at the principles that are behind these commandments, we realize, I I need a Savior. I can't do this. I simply cannot do this. Week 9, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The principle of honesty. And that one was pretty profound also. Each one in its own right has, has been a profound statement looking at the principles. A principle that God loved us so much that he was willing to give this to us so that we could be happy. Today we're looking at you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's car or your neighbor's anything. I call it the principle of contentment. This is the last of our series. And I hope, I'm reading what I wrote here now, I hope that this has been as good for you as it has been for me. I hope and pray that you'll see the Ten Commandments in a whole new way. A new way of understanding that is so much more than just sitting down and reading them. It's understanding the principles behind each and every one. That there's something that speaks to each of us. God said to me personally, he said, I did not give these things so that you could please me by keeping them. If that were the case, we'd be just like the rich young ruler. Saying, what do I need to do? I mean, I've kept all the commandments since my youth. And Jesus loved that guy. But he said, give away all that you have. And come follow me. And he left with his head hung low. He gave these to us so that we could live happy. So that we could live fulfilled lives. He said, because you are my son, you are my daughter. I love you. And God says, Craig, you already please me. You see? God is already happy. You're his son. How could he not love you? Which one of you don't love your kids? We love our children emphatically. Even when they've been bad, even when they've done wrong, we might, you know, tell them they were wrong and tell them they need to live better, but we still love them. Don't we? We love them completely. Imagine a father's love, God's love for us. He didn't give these so that we could make him happy. He gave them to us so that we could live happy. He said, I wonderfully and beautifully made you in his image. 
uniquely different from everyone else. Each one of you are special. Each one of you are different. And yet, when I look at these principles behind all the commandments, I realize I've missed all of them at one point or another in my life. So let's look at this one. Let's look at number 10. Exodus twenty seventeen. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, his donkey, or anything that is his neighbor's. In other words, you shall not covet. And it's fine to shorten it down and say this 10th commandment is, you shall not covet, as long as we understand the word covet. We have to look at that, and we have to get some understanding. The only reason anyone would covet anything or someone, because that person is not content with what he or she has. There's a problem. Don't you see it? Isn't it so plain? If you're, if you're coveting something so badly that this is what I want in, in my life, obviously you're missing something. There's something missing in your life. There's a reason, and we need to look at the reason The next scripture is in the New Testament, and if there's any of the scriptures in the New Testament that speak to the problem of coveting, this one does. Hebrews 13.5, and I'm going to give you, you know, we've all heard this scripture, we've all read it. In fact, most of you could could quote it. The second part of 13.5 says, for he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. How many can quote the first part of that scripture? Let's go up to the next screen. Hebrews 13.5. Now this is the whole scripture. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Wow. See, he clarified it. I'll never leave you. What are you guys worried about? What are you worried about what you don't have or what you want to have or what you can't have? What, why is that even an issue when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you? So what is coveting? Like I told you in the Ten Commandments, studying this, this, the Ten Commandments are found in two places in the Bible. Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. The word Exodus means exit or leaving. You've got to have an understanding of where this stuff is coming from. Leviticus means the law pertaining to the Levites for the most part. And Deuteronomy, the word Deuteronomy itself means the law the second time. You guys realize that this is the second time God gave the laws on the, on the tablets? What happened to the first time? You guys remember? You know, he came down and everybody's jumping around this golden calf that they made doing some crazy stuff. I mean, it was a crazy night. And he broke the commandments and destroyed them because of his, he was so upset with the people. Moses was. So God gave them again to him, it, it, again, in Deuteronomy. But I want you to, we're going to read the same 
scripture in Deuteronomy that we just read in Exodus 20, but pay attention to the difference. Deuteronomy 5.21, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is neighbor's. Did you see the difference? Well, I underlined it. You shall not desire. So he's explaining what coveting is. Now, is it wrong to have desires in your life? Let me just say, no, it's not. It's not, it's not wrong to desire a better house. It's not wrong to desire a better job, to better provide for your kids. It's not wrong to, live, to want to live in a neighborhood that has a better school district. It's not wrong to have those kind of desires. It's not wrong to, for me to go over to Andy's house and see what Andy's done in his shop and go, man, I'd like to do that in my shop someday. Just need one. <laughs> That's not coveting Andy's shop. That's seeing a really good idea and having a desire to do something like that on my property. Does that, is that clear to you? There's, there's a big difference that God doesn't, isn't saying this. That, hey, I don't want you to have desires. It's just not saying that at all. Don't want things that belong to others. That's what he's saying. Don't, don't have such a desire that I've got to have a shop that's bigger than Andy's because, man, he's not going to have the best shop in the church. I want one bigger with more stuff. That would be wrong. I don't think I could get more stuff. I'd have to build a bigger shop. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with wanting things in our lives. He wants us to have desires. Think of this. The scripture shows God believes in us having personal property. Isn't that cool? The scripture shows us that God is good with us having personal property. He said, don't want what your neighbor has. It's okay to have. Just don't covet what your neighbor has. It's okay to own something. Just don't covet things that belong to someone else. And by the way, your wife is not property. She's not owned. There are laws in Israel against selling your wife. Did you realize that? But Cotton Picker, he never put anything against selling your husband. It's not in there. I think it's probably because there was no real value there. Never mind. Never mind. You wanting, you can have him. Okay? But coveting something. Having a coveting spirit does not allow you to rejoice when someone else receives blessing. You realize that? You ever felt that way? Somebody else, their aunt died and left them $2 million. And you're sitting there thinking, God, why couldn't my aunt die? Come on. That is the wrong spirit. We need to be able to rejoice when others are blessed. When others, what about when someone you really dislike gets into an accident? Does it mess his face up? Permanently? 
<laughs> we got to think about how we act and how we respond. It matters. What about when it's someone that you really don't like gets blessed? Or that someone gets hurt, is going through someone really bad, but you don't like that person. Does it bother you? It should. It should. Just because you don't like someone, just because someone may have, have hurt you in the past, There was, this last week, my buddy Tim, he took me on a boating adventure. He knew I was going to say something about it. <laughs> but there's so many elements to it that are so far beyond what we had experienced. But I'll, I'll share it with you. But you see, i got to tell you, Tim and Jenna Suckabee have been... Uh, so precious to me throughout my years of ministry. Um, they were around when I first got saved. They were around when I had the motorcycle shop, and they were around when I got involved in motocross ministry, and, and later when I planted a church, uh, somehow they wound up following me. And, uh, they've been, and, and here they are now, and still to my shock, why these people have loved me for so long. And so Tim wanted to bless me and take me on a deep sea fishing trip in San Francisco Bay and out into the ocean. They never considered there was a storm coming. Now these guys are, are weathered sailors, I believe, because they didn't make Tim sick. It took everything I could do. I, ne I never saw a pool. I never caught a fish. Don't you dare laugh. I never caught a fish. I was so terrified once we got into the open ocean and the waves were going. I mean, I saw the sky and I saw the depths of the ocean. And I saw the sky and I saw the depths of the ocean. And every once in a while, I'd hear these guys outside going, Yahoo! Because they're riding the waves. I locked myself into a position. It was sitting there, it was a table with a pipe that was going down, and I anchored my feet against that pipe. And I held onto that table. I wasn't moving. You know, it's a good thing that the boat didn't go down because I was sitting on the life preservers. <laughs> Y'all would have been in trouble because I wasn't moving. You weren't moving me. You weren't, I couldn't move. I was so dizzy and so sick. That literally, I was afraid if I let go of the table, I would literally fall over sitting down. And, and I, I knew if I stood up, I didn't have a bathroom break for six and a half hours. Because I refused to get up. I didn't bring a barf bag. Next time, you tell me to bring a bag. I had patches on. I had Dramamine pills. I had little bracelets on. this to... None of that worked. But the interesting thing, here's, here's the interesting thing. There was a man on the boat, I'm not going to mention his name, but Tim would know, that 
There was a time in my life I didn't like very much. And it felt so good that he sat there next to me. The man had had hurt me and um, had hurt the ministry and had, had done some damage. And I've faithfully avoided the man for many years. And who was on the trip? And who got to see me green as all get out? And sick as I could ever be. I never saw him get sick, but he was pretty green. He was pretty green. And I managed to grab onto him a couple of times. I'm so glad you're here. And I could see the look in his eyes like he's thinking, really? You're glad that I'm here? Yes, I was. And having pre-studied this, it was so firm in my mind that there's still people in my life I need to forgive. We all do. Don't wait until you're on a boat in the middle of an ocean with a storm. It's probably not the appropriate time to forgive somebody. It was. I don't know why it happened this way, but it does. There were moments that I was praying that they would just throw me overboard. I thought seriously if I could get up and just hang on to every rail, that I'd just go over to the edge and I'd look around when nobody's looking and just fall over and just be gone. Because it was that bad. It was, I know what Jonah was saying when he said, throw me over, just throw me over, I've had enough. It was, a, it was an amazing trip, Tim. I'm glad you're here. I, uh, I don't know that I'll ever go again. I can't promise you that I'll, I won't say no, though, that I won't. We'll definitely look at the, the weather. And uh, just like, hey, they caught my limit. I got a limit of fish. Right. And because I was there, Tim could keep fishing. He's, he's out there going, oh, and you're reeling them in. So I got a whole bucket load of fish and crab and all kinds of stuff. It was fun. What are, what are we preaching on here? Where am I at? Um, we were talking about if someone had ever hurt you. It's amazing to me how everything goes back to Genesis. Getting to this commandment, let's look at Genesis 3, 6. I want you to see this again. It says, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes. Now, let me refresh you. You guys understand what tree she's looking at, right? God put him in the garden. He said, you can have everything in here. It's all for you. Grow it, till it, whatever. It's for you. But this over here, this tree, this is mine. I think it's a very good representation of the tithe. This is mine. It's mine. Don't mess with this. This is mine. But what does Satan do? Look at what he says. It was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took up its fruit and ate and she also gave it to her husband, that cotton-picking woman. And he ate too. 
Covetousness is Satan's trick that causes us to resent God. It causes us to resent what he has done, what he has said, who he is. We've got to start understanding that God is providing for us every step of the way. Every step. He's providing and taking care of us. Let's look at Luke 12, 15. Now, this is an interesting set of scriptures. I've got about three or four scriptures I'm going I'm to fire at you. And these are New Testament scriptures that talks about covetousness. But I want you to pay attention closely to the sins that are around it. Pay attention to this. Luke 12, 15. I had to look to see where I was. And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Man, you ought to put that on your refrigerator. One's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. I'm going to show you in the next scriptures how covetousness pay close attention to the sins that are around. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 5.11. It says, But now I have written to you, to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reveler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Can you see where covetous is mixed in with all these other sins? These other sins we look at and go, of course. But we never see covetousness in the way that we're seeing. Ephesians 5.3 But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Do you see how serious this is? Covetousness is no game. It's, it's a real serious business that, that God is trying to put in front of us. And he's telling us, man, you can't do this. Colossians 3, 5. Therefore, put to, get, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So we put a name to it. Can you see that? Covetousness, which is idolatry. Don't be wanting something that somebody else has. And I'll tell you, from a pastor's perspective, this is me just being completely transparent to you. It's easy for me to get jealous of other churches, other pastors. It is. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of normal. You know, and you see other churches flourishing and, and you see people that didn't even put the effort in that I've put in over here and look what's going on over there and pretty soon. Who am I comparing? To what? To who? We need to really be careful of what we're comparing to. Coveting is something, it's something that we do long enough will eventually, we will trade what God has done for us for that thing. We will trade it. Coveting is saying, I'd give anything to have that. Now it's become an idol. 
I'd be anything to be like one of those big preachers that could be on TV and their name could be all over. I mean, anything to be. And God's saying to me, who are you comparing yourself to? This becomes into the realm of covetousness. I want us to look again back at Exodus 20, 17. One more time. I just want you to see clearly God's intent. There's no making a mistake of what he meant. Let's look at it again. There it is. He says, you shall covet. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You know, sometimes your neighbor's house is better than yours. Don't be wanting what your neighbor has. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife, covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant. Now, let me explain to you. In this time, why did he say male servant, female servant? Well, because if the more servants you had, the more wealthy you were. What about donkeys and horses or whatever he was talking about here? It's because the more animals you had, the more property you were tilling, the more money you had. It was a sign of wealth. It was a sign of prestige. It was a sign of of who you are and what you have. He says, uh, nor his female sermon, nor his ox, nor his donkey. Look at the very last line. Nor anything that is your neighbor's. Could it be more clear? It it can't be. I mean, God is telling us it, it can't be more clear than this. Do not stop coveting what the church down this road is doing and start paying attention to what I'm doing. I'm speaking to me again. What I'm doing in you right here. Stop it. I get jealous when I see these churches with great revived youth groups that are just, the kids are going, I get jealous. And I have to stop and say, you know what, praise God. Praise God that those kids are in a place. And God will build ours. He will build it as he sees fit, as he sees clear to us. So point number two. I don't know if I ever gave you point number one, but I think you got it. Now we have point number two. Containment, contentment versus contention. Can you see the root of the word there? I, I darkened it so you could see it a little better. Contentment. Contention. Same root. Two totally different meanings. Contentment, I think we understand. Being happy with what we have. Being thankful. We just went through Thanksgiving, and I hope you all were thankful, and I hope you talked around your table about the things that you have to be thankful for. But what's contention? What is that word? Contention is is actually a sporting term. It can be used in sporting. The 49ers are in contention to be the worst team of the league this year. (laughs) Amen. 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 Do you understand, you know, okay, right now probably Kansas City and, I don't know, some of the other teams are are in contention to, to make the title game. They're in contention. They're battling one another. They're, they're working towards the same thing. It's a battle in contention with a, a person or a, a team. Maybe it'll all be 
in your mind because you're comparing yourself where you should not be comparing yourself with anyone. You know, maybe you're really not in contention with anything because what you're actually doing is comparing yourself. Look at 2 Corinthians 10.12. It says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. You need to tell you about that? You ever been those people that always are commending themselves? They're always patting their own back. They're always saying how wonderful they are, how big their church is, how many youth their church has, how many things are going on. He said, just, just don't, even, don't even hang out with them. Don't even be around them. He says, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Remember when I talked about just, just a week or so ago, we talked about the wise and the foolish and the evil? Well, this, this guy here is one that's obviously, he's not wise. And we need to be wise. I wanted to tell you a story about a friend. Again, I'm not going to put a name on it. But he's a friend, and he came to me once as a pastor, and he said, can I put two scriptures together? And I said, well, of course you can put two scriptures together, but, you know, the clear thing that I, you have to understand is how you're interpreting two scriptures. Because you could put two scriptures together that say something that is totally not what the Bible was intending. So tell me your two scriptures. And this is what he said. First one is Psalms 84:11. For the God, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be withheld from those who walk uprightly. Now, let me tell you before I read the very next scripture that he wanted to put together with this one. His man was 32 years old, had never been married and he was asking the Lord for a wife. He was doing it quite well, too. He says, look at the second scripture that he wanted to put together, Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So now put the two of them together. So for the Lord God is, the sun, is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be withheld for those who walk uprightly. Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains from the Lord favor from the Lord. Isn't that amazing? About two years after he shared this, these two scriptures, I said, yes, of course, you can put them together. And he said, I'm praying the Lord to supply me a wife. And I said, that's an appropriate prayer. He wasn't going around the church coveting what everybody else had, wishing he could have this family or that family. He was praying that God would supply him a wife. Two years went by. And he came to church to introduce to me his good thing. And this is exactly how he said it. He said, I want you to meet my good thing. 
that the Lord has provided. And you know how many of us have pet names? Like I call Joe honey all the time, sweetie, whatever. He calls her good thing. He comes home from work and he says, how's my good thing? It's, it's a term of endearment because God not only supplied him a wife, but she had an entire family. He now had a complete family and was so unbelievably happy because he was willing to let God and not covet what everybody else had. And now he has a good thing in his life. And I think it's important that we see this. This brings us to point number three. Delight before desires. Delight before desires. You guys know where I'm going with this, right? We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Delight yourself in the Lord before your desires. David wrote Psalm 37. It was later years in his life. And I believe, honestly, a lot of theologians believe that he wrote this psalm to his son Solomon. Trying to give him direction. That he was going to be taking the thing over and he needed direction. So let's look at this psalm. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you desires of your heart. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I think most of us in this room completely just missed it. I believe most of us think of it this way. If we serve the Lord with all we are and all we have, that he will give us the desires of our heart. Wrong. Don't you see what he's saying here? He said, if you delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us, he will put in us his desires. His desires in our hearts that he desires because it's him. He's God. He's perfect. In other words, he desires, in other words, his desires now become our desires And we are content and happy with exactly where we are and what we have. Do you see that? Do we need to look at that scripture again? Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart because you've been delighting yourself in the Lord. Guess what your desires are now? It's his desires. It's what he wants you to do. It's what he wants you to have. It's his desires that he puts inside of you. I think it's profound that we, we look at this and we think, well, if we serve God, if we, if we give our tithe, if we do all, you know, we're going to have the desires of our heart. Well, what are your desires? Well, I want a 13-story mansion. I want a boat big enough not to make me seasick on the ocean. Ain't no boat big enough. Instead, our desires should be given a family in need, a $100 gift certificate for some food. I'm so proud of you for seeing it. I'm so proud of you for coming to the church with it. That's what we're supposed to do. we got to start loving our neighbors. We have neighbors all around us. And I'm guilty too. I haven't walked the streets and talked to anybody to see what kind of need is out there. We need to. 
We need to start getting involved in our community. We need to know the people that live around us here and that what we're capable of doing for them and helping with them. I'm sure there are people, elderly people, probably even some in our church that got a yard full of leaves right now. And there's a few of us guys that could get together with some bags and some rakes. Wouldn't take much. But we got to get our desires in the right place. we gotta, we got to get to where we are content with what we have and where we're at. Does this make sense to you? Yes. Are you seeing what God is wanting us to do? Yes. To be completely content with where we're at and what God has done for us. And Tim, I just pick on you on the whole fishing trip. It was wonderful. You know, as sick as I was, and I mean, I was sicker than I've ever been in my whole life. Um, in fact, I had been bouting with for about two, three weeks before that. There's a few here who knew, been praying for me, that my system got all backwards and I wasn't going without taking things to help me to go, and and uh, it cleared it all out. <laughs> Everything's flowing back to normal. Amen. But the ride there and the ride back, Tim, were absolutely awesome. We had a wonderful time, didn't we? It was a wonderful time. It was the worst six and a half hours of my life. But the trip there and the trip back was absolutely wonderful. And I wouldn't trade it for, for anything. Fact is, I wouldn't traded for the experience itself. It was it was brutal, but but good. Yes, dear. I know how you feel, George, because I went on the U.S. Ranger with my son. Yeah. And he worked down downstairs. We had to go down about three flights. All I saw was this and that, and this and that. And we didn't have no elevator. We had to go upstairs. That's yeah, pretty rough. So fast to get up there on top of board. My husband was right behind me, but I beat him. Amen. But hey, I know how you feel, George. <laughs> I've never been on ship before. I start either. thinking about this and that, and I start getting kind of nauseous. So listen, Tony, would you come up and lead us in something? But it was a good experience. It was. Praise God, it was. I'm here. <laughs> I'm never really sure if I turn this thing off, you know, because it records well after. <coughs> oh. If you ever come up with prayer and it's something really private, you can say, is that thing on? And you don't want nobody to hear. Let's all stand together. And like I say to you every week, the Holy Spirit is what what are you speaking to me in this moment in this message it's important we hear something and and we it convicts us a little bit or convinces us that maybe in something we've been wrong but we really need to take the time and ask the Holy Spirit what are you saying to me in this Heavenly Father, as we're 
about to leave the sanctuary. (laughs) Father, I pray that each person is blessed, that they've heard the word and that that they know that you love them, that you created them, that they are wonderfully, beautifully created in your image. Help us to see that. Help us to see that today, Father. If you need prayer, please 